You're listening to Not The Wifey Type, the podcast, a cape-free zone where we share stories and break down strength and struggle narratives to reimagine lives with us at the center. I'm your host, Kayla Charleston. Now let's get into it. The first thing I want to do is give some background on myself and how I arrived at Not The Wifey Type as we know it today. And I feel like with a name like Not The Wifey Type, people expect me to start with my romantic life. So let's just start there. I used to be the girl who didn't ask for anything and nothing is exactly what I got. So what I mean by that is I... I used to lean into this persona of being easygoing and laid back and the the girl who was, you know, fun to hang out with. And I kind of prided myself on being low maintenance. And it's not that I'm not laid back or easygoing, but I think a lot of that had to do with internalizing messages about black women not being too difficult or black women shouldn't have standards that are too high or else. So I had nothing to show for the situations I was in because I wasn't asking for anything. And I had a, I had, I had a real lack of boundaries. So I was really, really, really bad at establishing boundaries and holding people accountable for respecting my boundaries. But I would also get upset or get my feelings hurt when people wouldn't respect my boundaries that I wasn't communicating. So it was, like I said, it was a whole mess. And on top of that, I care about um, community issues. I care about inequalities and injustices and things like that. But like many people within black communities, I have been conditioned to see issues through a lens that focuses on um, black men and specifically heterosexual black men. So all of these different factors were a cocktail for me being this perfect little mule. So I I I was too easygoing. I didn't ask for what I wanted or what I needed. I had a lack of boundaries around who had access to my energy, to my time, to my effort, to my labor. And so I I was on a path to having a life where I was always in service to other people and always propping up other people to my detriment um and there was no way that I if I had stayed on that path I would have you know lived a life that was fulfilling for me or happy or healthy for me that was in my early 20s so when I was about 23 I started my PhD program and that's kind of where a shift started happening so it was several things that 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 happened that caused me to kind of start rethinking some things so first formally I was learning about different systems of oppression and so my PhD is in sociology so we talk all about systems of oppression and isms and things like that racism sexism classism all that stuff so I was learning a lot more about power dynamics between men and women and patriarchy and how it's ingrained in all of our you know in in our society and in our different institutions including our relationships and marriage um so that was taking place formally informally I was listening to a lot more black women and tuning into their conversations on how they felt a lack of reciprocity from from black men and and within their communities and it's kind of like when you first become aware of something and then all of a sudden you're noticing it everywhere because 
then I started to notice what was happening in some of my own relationships with with black men and for example I noticed that like how come when my you know black male friend tells me about a scary experience he had with the police I'm able to sympathize even though I haven't had that experience but when I tell him about a scary ass experience I had with some strange man following me all I get is jokes so some things started to feel not quite right for me and I started to pay more attention to um what was what was happening or, or what I was feeling um so like I mentioned I was in grad school and for those who don't know grad school can be very taxing on your mental health especially if you're a person of color or a woman or queer or just some marginalized identity it can be uh very alienating and just not a very welcoming place and that was my experience in my department I feel like I feel like they did everything they could to make me feel like I wasn't welcome um, in academia and so grad when I was in grad school that was a really dark period for me like I had I was going through depression and had lots of I had lots of anxiety and it was just not good so I actually had a friend who one day was like let's go take a pole dancing class. So we bought a Groupon for a month's worth of classes and we went to a pole dancing class and we loved it so much that we didn't even finish out the whole month on the Groupon before we bought a membership at the studio. So there I was with this new hobby now, I'm, I'm a pole dancer and this was a shift for me because it was the first time I had ever done anything intentionally sensual or sexual that was not for the male gaze or was not for somebody else and so i was learning how to be sexy and how to be sensual and and pole dancing is not just being sexy and sensual there's also a lot of athleticism involved so all of that learning how to push my body and do things that i never imagined that it could do learning how to be sexy and touch myself and all this stuff but it was it was for me because you know men weren't allowed in the studio so I was just I was just dancing and doing stuff for me and it added another layer of like bodily autonomy and a way of validating myself that wasn't centered around someone else's approval or someone else's appraisal of me and my body so that carried me through the rest of my grad school program and and i eventually finished um by the skin of my teeth uh i eventually finished my phd and by the end i by some stroke of luck or the stars aligning just right or something i got an opportunity directly after finishing my dissertation to live abroad so i lived i got to live in italy for six months and once you're on a different continent it's traveling to other places becomes a lot easier because in the u.s you have canada on top and mexico on the bottom but we're not as close to other countries as you are if you go to like europe or southeast asia or something like that so it was a lot easier for me to travel to other places so while i was there i traveled to 14 other countries and i went to all of those places completely solo so um that was pivotal for me because I it, it expanded my understanding of freedom and it was such a freeing experience to wake up and wake up on the other side of the world and not have anyone know my name and not be subject to 
these you know stereotypes and expectations about what black women are supposed to do and what black women are supposed to be now don't get me wrong people definitely have stereotypes about you know blackness black people black women in other parts of the world but for me it wasn't as stifling when i was abroad as it as it can be here in the u.s so there were days when i would wake up and be like I want to go to another country today and I will go buy a ticket for like $25 because it's hella cheap and go and sometimes I didn't even know what what language they spoke in the country that I was going to but I I went because I wanted to and that whole experience changed like how I how I saw myself you know situated in in the world and outside of the context of the US so that was in 2018 and when I came back everything after that became about finding that freedom again or only doing things that aligns with that feeling of freedom and it's not that i expect to be like a globetrotter the rest of my life or i need to be in a foreign country to feel free like that necessarily but um what it did was make it very very clear that there's no way that i could have that that sense of freedom if i was bogged down as a mule for everybody else right if i was living a life where i was you know meeting everybody else's demands and not restricting access to my time my, my time and my energy and my labor so the the path that i was on was never gonna was never going to align with the sense of freedom that i discovered or that I found was important to me and so that's how I arrived at, at not the wifey type um as I, as I know it now and it's really funny when I tell people my name on social media is not the wifey type some people will pause and some people will even ask well what you mean you're not the wifey type are you trying to say you a hoe and it's interesting because in, in a lot of people's mind, it's either you're chaste and you're worthy of being claimed and you're worthy of being wifed or you're a whore. But um, my answer to that when people when people do have the guts to ask is honestly, it depends who you ask, because I don't know very many women who haven't had hoe weaponized against them. So I probably am a hoe. To somebody but that's not what I mean when I'm talking about not the wifey type what I am talking about is what happens when you pose the questions what do you love about black women or what makes black women special the answers to those questions are very telling and uh, if you pay attention to what people say a lot of what people say will be about our strength or our resilience, our, abil our ability to carry the community on our back, the way we hold down black men or we build them up or we support them, all of these things that are essentially, or that essentially amount to our labor, um, our being in service to other people, the way that other people are able to consume us, Right. None of that is focused on who we are as as humans, as, as people. Right. It's mostly expectations for labor and, and consumption. So if my labor and your ability to consume me. Right. And my ability to be of service to you is what makes me valuable, is what makes me worthy of being wife, is what makes me worthy of being chose or chosen, then maybe I'm not the wifey type. And 
you know, what if I want to be vulnerable or what if I want to be soft and delicate? What if I want to be spoiled? What if I don't want to be on the front lines and I don't want to have the entire community on my back? What if I want to rest? So um, not the wifey type is not necessarily about a specific relationship status or anything like that. It's more so acknowledging these roles, but a refusal of organizing right my life or our lives around these roles and identities that other people have crafted for us mammy and 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 you know mule and laborer right we don't have to be those things even though that's what people are saying they value most about us so not the wifey type is a space for women who are ready to be honest about who men are as a collective and this space is also for women who want to take off the cape. So if you if you still cling to that cape, if you still take pride in your value being related to your ability to labor and to take care of everybody else, more power to you, but that's not what we do here, right? So what can you expect to hear from this podcast? Well, each week we'll take a deep dive into topics like why black women are so committed to struggle love or how the pressure to be all things to all people takes a toll on our mental health. So you'll get a chance to hear from guests who will give their stories and provide insight on these topics. And I have hand selected these guests because I know they'll be able to provide you with answers you're looking for when it comes to drowning out the noise and getting back to us. And you may even get some solo episodes sprinkled in for me, but lots of stories. Some people will be experts in their field, professionals in their fields. Some people will just be good ass conversation. But that's the reason why this is so important to me is because as black women, we're inundated with messages about who we should be and how we should act and what to do with our hair and how, how, you know, how our bodies look and what to do with our bodies and just all these different things from all these different places. So my goal is to create conversation and community around these shared experiences, but also to show you that there are black women doing what they said we couldn't do. And so it's important for us to talk about the challenges and the issues and, you know, the struggles surrounding being a black woman. But it's also important for us to highlight black women who are out here thriving because we're also out here thriving. And in order to inspire ourselves to live lives that are whatever we dream up, that's also going to be part of the podcast. So that being said, once again, welcome to Not the Wifey Type, the podcast, and episode two is already ready for you to check out. Thank you for listening to Not the Wifey Type, the podcast. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes drop and rate and review so others will know how much you love the show too. If you want to keep up with me personally, you can follow me on Instagram at Not the Wifey Type. Until next time, I'm reminding you to belong to yourself. <laughs>